Income Tax Podcast with Mike Grinning. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone, and you can check out some of my work, which is on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love for you to be a part of our online Facebook group, which is called Daily Creative Habit. It's for any creative person who wants to show up more consistently for their creativity and craft. Simply go to dailycreativehabit.com and request to join the group today. Also, I want to let you know about a challenge, for lack of a better word, that I'm doing right now, which is called Creative Mental Health Mondays. And I wanted to create a forum where we could have more conversation and just bring some more awareness around mental health issues, specifically with creative people, because that's been my story and my experience. And the more that I talk to some of my creative friends, I realize that our stories can be very similar. And yet, just because we haven't heard those stories, we can often feel like we're alone. And so I'm inviting anyone who wants to participate in this every Monday to post uh, some kind of creation around the theme of mental health. So it could be depression, anxiety, burnout, and it could be any art form. It could be visual art, music, uh, it could be poems, it could be video, it could be design, whatever it is that you want to create around those themes. And I'm not simply asking you to post it, but post it and give a little context. Tell a story or an experience or some thoughts behind why you created it, why you were inspired to create this piece of artwork and what it is that you're hoping to say through it. So if you are interested in joining this, and this is going to be ongoing on Mondays, I'm going to be posting myself and resharing some content and hopefully highlighting and spotlighting some other artists along the way. If you'd like more information, you can go to creatives with an S mentalhealth.com. And if you're ready to post uh, in this challenge, you can post on Instagram, tag me, which is at Mike Bone. And use the hashtag CMHM so that way we can all be sure to follow that hashtag and see what everyone's creating. Now for this episode, I have a returning guest, Maria Brophy. And Maria was on uh, a little while back. And since that time, we were actually able to get together in person. I visited her and her husband's gallery in California And it was great. It was amazing uh, to be able to take these online relationships and actually meet in person, get to see the gallery. And we got to hang out in front and just talk about life and about creativity and about some of the things that are happening. And uh, it was a really special time. And so out of that time came the idea to have her back on the show. And this time around, it's not so much an interview as it is a conversation between friends just about creativity, mental health. Uh, We talk about a bunch of different things. We kind of weave in and out of some things in the conversation, Uh, gratitude and mindset. And also just for context, um, Maria's husband, Drew, came down with COVID pretty severe last year and ended up in the hospital. And he was actually in a coma for, I believe, seven weeks Um, So you can only imagine uh, what they have been through. And 
we talk a little bit about that and how, you know, he has, he has since come out of the hospital and he's been getting healthier and healthier every day, which we're, we're so rejoicing uh, over. And um, just some of the struggle about, you know, trying to keep running a business and keep your creativity up while dealing with some of these severe life events like that. Um, and so I know that you're going to really glean a bunch of different pieces of wisdom from our conversation, specifically coming from Maria and her experiences. And um, again, it's a little different this time around um, because we're not necessarily following a usual format, but it's really conversational. And so uh, I invite you to lean in and be a part of this conversation as well. Make sure that you follow Maria and she mentions her newsletter and um, really highly highly suggest that you sign up for that as well as checking out her book so without further ado here is my creative chat with maria brophy well maria welcome back to the creative chats show i'm excited for having me back yes yes and uh we were just talking it was great that we were able to meet in person actually uh last month or so and I love when, you know, the online stuff goes offline and you can actually see, oh yeah, like we're all real people. <laughs> yeah, I love, yeah, I love that you came to see me. It made me so happy. It was really great. And I feel like I know you so much better now. And, um, you know, there, there are things that, you know, you can, you can more deeply connect with people in person. That's why I love in-person events. Absolutely. More yeah. so than, you know, all the virtual stuff that's been happening in the last couple of years. I just get so much more out of being with people in the flesh, you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to just continue our conversation today. You know, we, we sat out front of your gallery and enjoyed some nice weather. I'm jealous of the California weather <laughs> here in New Jersey. Not so much, you know? <laughs> You get good weather a couple times a year there. Yeah, a couple times. That's about it. But uh, and just also want to point out that uh, last time you were on, it was episode 48, I believe. And so, um, you know, we've almost got 100 episodes. Uh, not quite, but almost we're getting there between. Wow. And uh, you're one of the few people that I've had back so far. So um, wow. I'm excited to just take this conversation in a little bit of a different uh, angle. And, um, you know, we had been talking and, and I've been talking on this podcast about just creativity and mental health and um, just some of the challenges that specifically creative people can encounter when it comes to trying to manage some mental health issues and then also show up for your creativity. Um, and it's, it's, hard because as creative people, we can't just simply put our creativity in a box and access it, you know, in a nine to five or, you know, we're not making widgets. So it's not like we can just thoughtlessly go through our day doing some kind of repetitive mundane tasks. It requires a lot of us. And so, um, you know, having these conversations of just going like, how do we navigate that? You know, what does that look like? And uh, as I shared my story, and I'll invite you to share some of your experiences and story, um, you know, I'm excited to dive into this topic. So thank you so much again for being here today. Yeah, thanks for doing this. And thanks for having me back a second time. I feel very special. Yes, as you should. <laughs> so um, let's just, let's just dive in. I mean, uh, what have your, well, first off, 
just refresh everybody's uh, mind in case they haven't listened. Uh, and I do encourage you to go back and listen to episode 48. But in case someone's not familiar with you uh, or your work, give us a little bit of, you know, what you do uh, creatively. Okay. So in a nutshell, I... I am very creative with writing and my art is helping people figure out the business of art. And I learned and developed that art for myself by doing it. When I met my husband, Drew Brophy, about 25 years ago, and I started managing him, helping him grow his art business. And a few years later, I quit my full-time job as an insurance salesperson to be in the art business full time. Uh, so basically I quit a job making a lot of money to start a new business making nothing and building from the ground up. Mm. And so at the time it was really, uh, I, was, I was highly motivated by wanting, I, by wanting to be surrounded by art and creative people. Um, I, I just love the art world. I love being surrounded by people who think differently. And I've always been drawn to that world. Um, and over the years, I figured out how to make good money with art. And I started teaching people how to do it. So basically, that's what I do now. I'm still running the art business and selling my husband's art and still you know, building upon that. And I wrote a book called Art, Money, Success, where I share a lot of very useful strategies to make money as an artist. And I also do coaching and I have a podcast and, um, and I really just love helping people figure out how to solve problems when it comes to the art business. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And your book is amazing. So I do encourage everyone to go out and be sure to get that. Um, Cause it's, it's more than just a, Hey, I'm going to read this once. It's more of a manual and a resource that people can return to again and again. So uh, thank you for creating that. Thanks. And you, you constantly are creating um, content really. Um, you know, whether it's, it's newsletter, whether it's um, coaching, um, you know, all these different assets that you need to create and getting into a flow of this. Right. And so um, maybe you can share a little bit uh, now of the, the mental health um, experiences you've had in terms of like, where has that shown up in your life? <clears throat> Excuse me. Where has that shown up in your life? And what did that look like when it kind of collided with creativity? Uh, well, you know, I've never had this conversation before about this, about mental health and about, so I'm, so bear with me as I gather my, sure. my thoughts, people who see me and who read my book and who follow me online, listen to my podcast and all that. A lot of people see me as someone who has it all together, as somebody who's accomplished a lot blah, blah, blah. What I don't always come out and say very rarely is that I've struggled with depression most of my life. Mm -hmm. And I've learned how to manage it. And I've actually learned how to manage it without ever taking meds for it other than an occasional glass of wine, but nothing prescription wise. Um, and I say manage it because it, it's 
still creeps in. And um, so I've had to deal with it and, and where that depression comes from and occasional anxiety, you know, like you're, you go to sleep, you think you're sleeping really well. And then you wake up in the middle of the night and your heart's pounding out of your chest. And you're like, <gasps> like this just happened to me last week because I had a birthday coming up. Mm. And I just woke up in the middle of the night, like my heart pounding on my chest, like, oh my God, I haven't done all the things I said I was going to do by the time I was this age. And anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here, but, um, you know, a a lot, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is we see people out in the world and we see them showing their best face and we have no idea what demons they're fighting inside them. Mm-hmm. And I think about this all the time because I think about when things are really tough for me and I'm not going to go and cry about it to the world. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just not my thing. My, my thing is uplifting people. And so I'm not going to drag the world down with all my problems. Um, but a little bit of kindness can go a long way. I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, it's best to be kind to people because you really don't know what they're going through. Yeah. And sometimes what you say to somebody can really uplift them and give them hope. Mm-hmm. Or it can bring them down and make them want to kill themselves. So you have to be really careful with what you're putting out there. Um, I'm not really answering your question. <laughs> Wait a minute. What was the question? <laughs> so where does your your experiences of mental health and kind of creativity collide a little bit? And like, how do you how do you manage that? How do you work through that? Like, what are your experiences? What have they been? So um, recently, you know, my uh, six months ago, my husband got COVID almost died, was on a ventilator for 70 days. He is the love of my life. He's been my best friend for 25 years. We work together. We do everything together. And all of a sudden, I'm in bed alone at night thinking I might never see him again. And so, I mean, this is an extreme example of when something goes wrong and how do I deal with it? I gave myself grace And I allowed myself to put my creativity to the side. Now that he's home and he's going to live and he's doing better. Now, all these things that I feel like I should have done in the last six months, (laughs) I didn't Mm -hmm. do. They're all colliding with me, right? And they're creating this anxiety. And I feel like I need to get it out. I need to, you know, there's books I'm writing and there's, I'm a very creative person. I don't paint or draw, but writing is my thing. And if I don't get it out of me, I feel like I'm going to blow up. I know a lot of artists can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. And then you get this guilt that comes with it. So it's giving yourself grace. Um, There are times that I go into a depression for no reason at all. You know, like, It's just that time of year where who knows why it hits, you know, where you feel extreme sadness and you're, 
But at, at, at my age now, I know that it's going to pass because it always does. And I allow it. I allow it to work its way through me. And I give myself a break and I say, okay, I can't do anything. I can't write today. I can't write this week. I can't, I have to be okay with setting it to the side for just a little while. Not too long, not too long. Do you, you find that it's, there is that temptation of, well, you know, if I set this aside and I haven't engaged with that part of me for a little while, that it's going to be that much harder to pick up or engage or, you know, thinking how long is too long, right? Yeah. Well, two weeks is a long time. Hmm. A month is way too long Um, because you do lose momentum Mm -hmm. and you lose time. You know, I know a lot of people who say that when they were in the darkest of times, that's when they started creating. That's when they started. You know, I met this guy recently who had been in a coma for a long time. And then after that, he was in the hospital for many months and um, he had some kind of accident, you know, and so he's in the hospital for a very long time. And he was had never drawn or painted prior to that. But that was the only thing he could do in his hospital bed. And he realized that he had some talent and he drew every single day and it saved his life. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, it saved his mind, his mental, um, you know, his reason, it gave him a reason to live because he felt like he was up against such odds Yeah. that this gift of having a pen or a pencil in his hand kept him going. And now he's fully recovered and and now he's creating art all the time. I I relate to that because I think that's partially my story of, you know, dealing with depression and finding my way back to art and it becoming something that was an agent of healing um, and something that I didn't know that I needed as much um, and trying to figure out how do I reintroduce myself to this? can I reintroduce myself to this? Right. Um, do you find that as you're writing now, obviously your content may be different because if it's more business oriented or for specific purposes, um, it's not like you're just journaling or, or that kind of stuff, but do you find that there's partially a healing process when you re-engage with your creativity in the midst of those times? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And I don't just write about business. I mean, that's the main thing, you know, that I put out there in the world because that's what people want. I do journal. I've journaled my whole life. Sometimes it's just, I write down like this morning, I didn't have much time. I had a lot of things going on and I sat down and journaled for literally three minutes with a cup of coffee. I just uh, really wrote down what I wanted to create for myself today. I wanted to, you know, make my day easy. Cause I knew I had a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to do today. I wanted my day to be easy. I wanted to feel happy and spread love to other people. So I write things like that in my journal and it kind of helps me. Um, I don't know, just kind of get my thoughts out and what I want. And other times I write three or four pages and it, 
it does feel really good. And, you know, sometimes when we get depressed, we kind of just don't want to do anything at all. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said, you know, give yourself grace, but don't let it go for too long because then you get stuck in another rut. And um, with writing, writing is a lot of work, like writing a book. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And so the other way I've been able to stay on track with it, regardless of what's going on in my life, um, I tell myself, okay, I'm just going to create for 30 minutes. That's it. 30 minutes every morning before life hits me with too many things, you know, and I do that first and that keeps me on track. I know in a lot of artists that do that with sketches, they sketch every morning and you do it for yourself. You don't have to show it to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so it gives you freedom to be really bad at it or to try something new that you don't know how to draw or to put your really crazy ideas on paper and nobody has to see it. Yeah. I think it, it helps create a safe space so that you can play, you can experiment and not worry about if somebody's going to judge this or even judging it yourself too prematurely, right? Um, sometimes just going, this is an exercise that I'm just going to do. It's not necessarily, doesn't have to lead to something that I'm going to sell or some other bigger idea. Uh, I'm just going to let it be what it is. And for in the moment, this is something that's bringing me some joy and it's, it's an outlet for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have this thought, um, that, one of the things that really helped me get through my husband dying and the doctors telling me he was going to die for eight weeks. They even, you know, told me I might consider pulling the plug on him Mm. so he wouldn't suffer. Um, So, you know, I went, I went through, it was just words can't describe what you go through every day with that happening. And you feel very um, when you're, in a bad situation or when you're depressed, you're very weakened. Not you're physically, you're, you feel it in your body. Your body's weak. You know, your arms and legs are limp. Um, it's your spirit and your, your, uh, you're weakened everywhere, physically, spiritually, energetically, and your actions become weak. And if you can take a moment and dig for some strength, like find a way to, to strengthen yourself. And there's ways to do that. And there was, I I discovered this when I was going through uh, my husband in the hospital dying. I, I felt so weakened, but I, one day I made the decision to, to find strength and I had no idea how to do it. It was just a decision. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to believe that the outcome is going to be the best possible outcome, regardless of what it is. And I, I strengthened my mind so that everything else would follow. You know, I think everybody's capable of this. And I think it's really everything that you do begins with a decision that you make in your mind even if you have no idea how you're going to do it. So, um, you know, when I get depression that creeps in, 
and I can feel it creeping in and I recognize it. And sometimes I'll say to myself, you know, that song, uh, the sound of silence, I think it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sometimes laugh at myself because I'll feel it creeping into me and I'll say, hello, darkness, my old friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you come to speak with me again, you know, that song. Um, and then I kind of laugh at myself, but when I feel it coming, I just, I tell myself, okay, this is temporary and we've been here before. We'll be here again. It's going to pass. And I just go easy on myself, but it's, uh, getting control of your mind is the most important thing. Mm. And I think a lot of people don't know how to do that, but you can learn how to do it with practice. Yeah. And I think there's, especially artists who tend to be a little bit more emotional. Um, there's this sense of, I don't really, I have to obey my feelings. Um, and I think there's a big difference between acknowledging and feeling your feelings and obeying your feelings. Um, and in my own instances, I know that there are, there were times where I thought, Oh, I feel this certain way. So I just need to give into it and just let it have free reign. And sometimes that's the worst thing you can do because it just continues to feed um, and and bring you thoughts that aren't necessarily true, which then continues a downward spiral. Um, And like you said, kind of making a decision sometimes of going, you know what? No, actually, I'm going to, I'll acknowledge this, but I'm going to think differently. I'm going to start reinforcing some other thoughts of like, you know, one of the things for me has been big has been gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with this. There's, there's something called the five minute journal. It's literally just a one page where in the morning you get up and you're setting, you know, your intentions of like, here's what I'm thankful for. Uh, here's what would make today great. And kind of an I am statement. And at the end of the night, you write, what are three highlights that happened? And then what did you learn? And simply just rinse and repeat every single day. And at first I thought to myself, I'm like, mm, I don't know. I mean, I'm used to like journaling, like full on, you know, pages and getting into details. And I'm like, how good could this really be? And I've been doing it for several months. And I have to say that it, it really works because it's short and there's no time for you to argue of going, I don't have time to do this in the morning or at night or whatever. And just pausing long enough to acknowledge what I'm grateful for, what I learned, you know, what, what would make today great before you head into it, kind of setting in the intention, like you said, even earlier, I think those things make a big difference in how you approach your day, yourself, the people around you and your creativity. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. And, you know, I think sometimes gratitude gets that like bad rap of, being the flavor of the day, right? You know, everybody talks about gratitude, you know, it's like, hey, just be thankful. Okay, well, it's really more than that, right? Um, Have you had experiences in that as well? Oh, yeah. Well, what came to mind when you were talking about gratitude was, oh, a lot of people roll their eyes at gratitude, blah, blah, blah. But here's the reason it works. And the reason it works is because when you're sitting there saying to yourself or to a friend you're saying out loud or to you know god or whoever you believe in and you're saying out loud i appreciate my cup of coffee 
I love how comfortable my bed is. I mean, that's what I say in the mornings. Almost every morning I wake up before I get out of bed, I lay there because I want to get in a good mood. So I, I lay there and I think, oh, my pillow is so comfortable. Thank you. Thank you for Drew being here beside me. <sighs> Thank you for the sun shining through the window. Um, and I'm just, and, and it's what it does is it creates this energy and everything's energy. It creates this energy that uplifts, even if it's just a little bit. And then um, you can do this with other people. So I realized recently that I have the best, I have great in-laws, but I, I never really, I wasn't taught, I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. I wasn't taught how to show people love. And I've really spent my adulthood trying to learn to be more loving. And I realized the other day that I protect myself from my closest relationships with a little bit of wall around me. And I'm not as warm and loving with family members as I could be. So yesterday I thought, you know, I'm going to do something I never do. And I called my sister-in-law and I left her a message and I said, I just wanted to tell you, I think you're one of the best mothers I know in the world. And you're like the best sister-in-law and you're a great sister. And I love you so much. And no, I have not been drinking. I really mean it. This is coming from my heart. I was just thinking about how much you mean to me. And I hung up and I felt this rush of love and joy. And I got a tear in my eye because of the gratitude I just gave her. Mm-hmm. And then she texted me this morning and said, oh my gosh, I just listened to your message. It made my day. Thank you so much. So it changes the energy, whether you're having gratitude for with yourself, so it changes your own energy, or with someone else showing your appreciation. And that just makes your life better. Mm-hmm. And there's also something about like, now I'm not talking like necessarily clinical depression and that, but you can't have depression, anxiety, you know, those feelings coexist with gratitude while you're pursuing that. Um, Those things can't hold the same space. And so if you're pursuing the one, it's pushing the other out and reinforcing more of optimism and hope and being a help and a light and love, um, those qualities. And I think the more we can pursue that, the more that can become part of our lives, the more it can become part of how we show up um, and what we have to give to the people around us as well as ourselves, right? Yeah, and this one thing, you know, and you, there might be somebody listening that says, yeah, you have no idea how bad it is for me. And you guys can talk about that all you want, all the positive stuff, but this, what I've got, it really sucks, right? And I understand that. It's a practice. It is a practice. I was raised in a very negative environment. Both of my parents, very negative. There was a lot of violence in the house. I was the victim of domestic violence, like pretty severely. If it was today, I would have been put in foster care. No, no government would have let me live in the situation I was in. Um, 
I was very negative and angry in my teen years and my early 20s. Luckily, someone said to me, Maria, you can be happy. It's within you, not outside of you. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what that means, but I'm really curious about it. And so just that one thing kind of set me on a path of trying to figure out how to find happiness within myself. I bought a book called uh, Learned Optimism by Dr. Seligman. He's a clinical psychologist, PhD, uh, spent his entire life studying optimism versus pessimism. Most incredible book. I I bought so many copies of that book and given them out. Um, But that book taught me how to change the way I think. So I am no longer a negative pessimistic thinker. I literally changed it. It took a lot of practice. Didn't take the depression out of my life, but it taught me how to deal with it. So it is a practice and you can't make these positive changes overnight. But if you were, if you're somebody who's listening right now and you're like, okay, you know, my life kind of sucks. And what's one easy thing I can do to maybe start practicing. Easy thing is when you're laying in bed in the morning and you open your eyes before your feet touch the ground, just think of three things to be happy about. And it's real easy. If you live in uh, the Western world, Real easy. Even if you think you have nothing to be happy about, if you have running water in your house, you're wealthier than most people in the world. That's a fact. Yep. Um, you can be thankful for running water. And I'm thankful for hot running water all the time because I hate cold showers. So I'm grateful that I have hot water. <laughs> and you can be thankful if you slept in a bed. And you can be thankful if you can stand up and walk. If you have your health enough to do that. Um And if you can't do that, be thankful if you have a wheelchair, because there are places in the world where people can't walk and they can't get access to a wheelchair. So it's just those little things that we can be grateful for. And that's how you start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know too, sometimes people may object and go like, okay, really like be thankful for my bed, be thankful for a cup of coffee or whatever. Like they think it seems so mundane when there's something bigger that they're wrestling with. And what they really want is to be able to come to the place where they can be thankful for either overcoming that hardship or moving through or having some bigger positive thing happen. Um, But it starts with the small and the sometimes seemingly mundane. And I think when you practice that enough, like you said, you you, you push through, okay, this feels silly. I don't really want to be thankful for this, but I'm going to say, I'm going to be thankful for this today. And then next day you show up, it starts to get traction. It starts to have momentum for sure. Um, And then as you're showing up differently, as you're looking and being aware of what's happening around you differently, you'll start to see bigger things to be thankful for. You'll start to be a little more genuine about some of the things to be thankful for. I think Um, at least that's been my experience, you know, For sure. And then if you get in the habit of letting people know that you appreciate them, people will respond to you better. Sometimes we feel like, oh, you know, nobody loves me or people aren't nice to me. Or if if everywhere you go, people aren't nice to you, it is how you are showing up in the world. I'm sorry. 
It is yeah. how you're showing up. My, uh, I raised my niece and she, you know, God love that girl. She, she, before we got custody of her at the age of 13, she was living on the streets quite a bit of her life because her parents were drug addicts. So she had a worldview that was very negative. And then we got her and we tried to give her all the love we could. And we did the best we could. Um, but I remember she would always say, oh, that person was so rude to me, or that person's really mean. And she would, every single person in her life was awful to her. And I would meet this awful person, like it was a teacher, you know, somebody in the community. And I'd say, I don't know what you're talking about. She's the loveliest lady. What are you talking about? And, you know, I realized it's the way my niece was showing up in the world. She was showing up and granted it's because of the way she was raised, but this is what she saw. She saw everybody as the enemy. And so she would not treat people very kindly and so it would be mirrored right back to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's becoming aware of that is huge and it's hard because if you're in that situation and you're, you've been operating out of that mindset for so long to have that change, it's, it's like you need to be confronted and be willing to accept what it is that you're confronted with and then take action, you know, um, which, you know, it is very doable and it is um, again, and I want to be careful in our conversation, not to, um, you know, gloss over anyone who is, has some major struggles with mental health issues. Um, I know, you know, we're talking on a certain level and, you know, I think people need to make sure that they get the treatment that they need, whether that's therapy, whether mm-hmm. that's medication, um, whatever it is that that's best for them in treatment wise. Um, but I think on, on a, a general level that we're talking about, you know, even dealing with, you know, feelings of depression, uh, sadness, anxiety, um, things that maybe sometimes are more circumstantial uh, based, you yeah. know, even knowing how to navigate through some of those things, it's important because if we don't learn those skills and we don't have tools that are in our hand, then we're just subject to whatever happens in our day. And it's almost like we become sometimes victims and sometimes just passengers, honestly, in our own life. And that's, that's a really sad thing um, to be a passenger in your own life. Uh, I spent, you know, a number of years like that earlier on where I, I, I would always say, you know, I'll show up, I'll do a good job. I'll work hard, but just tell me what to do. Like somebody tell me what to do. Just point me in a direction. Um, and it wasn't until I realized like, Oh, like you were saying before, there's, there's a point at which you need to look inward and go, well, like, who am I and what do I want to do? And what do I have to offer? Um, and taking some agency and ownership over your own life and how you show up and the thoughts that you entertain and how you treat other people and what your creativity looks like in the midst of all that, you know, and don't care too much about what other people think. Hmm. That's one of the reasons, I mean, you know, putting aside clinical depression, mental health, <clears throat> mental illness, schizophrenia, all those things that, you know, you and I are not qualified to talk about, 
but the general depression, I keep using the word depression because it's the best anxiety. I put anxiety in that bucket, depression, anxiety, social anxiety, things that people have more today than, than they ever before. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, not being a passenger in your own life. Um, I think one of the reasons people suffer so much depression and anxiety today is because they worry so much about what everybody else wants from them and what everybody else is doing. And the best way to deal with that is to stop looking at what everybody else is doing and just do what you feel like doing to express yourself. And if it's different from everybody else is doing, that's great because when you think about the people who are the most loved, they're the ones who happen to be the ones doing their own thing without regard to how different or weird or unusual it is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that again, goes back to, I think, practice, um, making sure that you, you make that shift in the mindset of going like, I'm not going to live my life to other people's expectations and approval and always looking and thinking about how this looks to somebody else. Um, and, finding small ways of starting to put that into practice, you know, so that you can start to have agency over yourself. And, you know, in terms of like creativity, um, I think there's an element of creativity that a lot of people don't think about, which is it's actually creating your own life, right? Like creating the life that you want to live. Um, I talk about that all the time. Yeah. I've done that. I did it many, many years ago. I decided, my husband and I together decided we wanted to live a life where we would work for ourselves and we would travel the world surfing and hiking and backpacking all over the world and have these adventures. And when we had children, we were going to take them with us and we did it and we're still doing it. We're still doing it. We never stopped doing it. And um, people said we were crazy. Oh, you can't do that. You, nobody does that unless they're rich. I'm like, yeah, you don't really have to be rich to do that. You just have to arrange your life to do it. Yeah. And you can do that with any lifestyle you want to live. Yeah. Yeah. I think too many people expect the script that's handed to them to be the one that they just go, okay. I'm going to put this into, into, you know, uh, action. And then there's a certain point at which I think there's a dissonance that happens and it's like, mm, things aren't necessarily looking like the way that I think they should, or thought they would now yeah. what, you know? Yeah. It's amazing because, you know, all these things are factoring into who we are, how we show up. Um, and then, like I said, even as creative individuals, the work that we do, I mean, think about all the things we just talked about, you know, all that kind of traveling in the background and in our minds and inside of us as we're expected to show up and go to work and produce things, you know, create things that will bring fulfillment to ourselves and also help other people, right? Um, sometimes that can feel like a lot of pressure, right? Um, would you have any like specifics that you might be able to help suggest to other people who 
you know, they have to show up today. They have to create today. Uh, aside from like gratitude, like we talked about and, and your mindset, um, journaling, you know, those kind of practices. Is there anything else that maybe you might be able to offer somebody else to say, you know what, this is something I think that would be really instrumental in helping you navigate so that you can show up and create and do what you need to do today. Yeah. Um, the first thing that really came to mind for me is thinking about other people. When we're feeling bad, we're mostly thinking about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We are, it's very, you know, and I think about that when I go through depressions, how indulgent it is. Now that sounds cold, but I can say that because I go through it, right? Um, but I do, I sometimes think how indulgent it is. I hide myself away. Um, I'm not available. And that's not serving me or anyone else. So if you have to show up, if you have to create, if you have to perform in some way, and it all goes back to the mind, you know, you think about the other people, the people who need what you're doing, mm. the people you're doing it for, or the end, the, uh, you know, who it's for. And you think about that. And that's also a practice thinking about other people when you're feeling so awful yourself, mm -hmm. like it's a practice to think of others. Yeah. And because people it's... don't talk about that very much. I mean, in this right. day and age, like, you know, I have a lot of friends who are a lot younger than me and they're single and for some reason, they have this idea in their head that they need to find a man that's going to do everything to make them happy. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do for him? <laughs> Why do they have to be a one-way street? Like, yeah. if you go into a relationship thinking, oh, he's got to bring me flowers, and he's got to do this, and he's got to say all the right things, that's not healthy, right? Like, mm -hmm. we, we're not taught enough to think about other people. Yeah. And when you do things for other people, you feel good. That's really yeah. what I'm getting at. Like you, you feel good when you do something kind for someone else. When Drew was in the hospital, he, uh, he was in the hospital for 112 days. Mm. And I, in the beginning, I lost so much weight because I was so distraught. And I couldn't even cook for myself. I was at the hospital sometimes 12 hours a day. Um, and I had a lot of friends bringing me food. And it was great because if they didn't bring me food, like people were leaving food on my doorstep. Mm -hmm. I, I wasn't eating on days people didn't bring me food. And I was, I got really skinny. I've gained most of it back now, but um, I did. I got, I got so skinny, my clothes didn't fit me. Um, and I remember telling a couple of my friends, you know, I feel guilty. Don't, don't, don't cook for me anymore. Like, it's not your problem. I, I know you love me and thank you, but don't, don't trouble yourself. And my one friend said, Maria, do you realize that we do this because it makes us feel good? Hmm. It, she, my one friend who's retired, well, actually, she's never worked a day in her life. She, <laughs> she's, she's one of the lucky ones. She said, look, this bringing you food makes me feel good. It gives me purpose. Like I'm helping someone don't take that away from me. And, um, 
That's what giving to others does. And it can help us feel better. So I know I'm, I'm going off on a lot of different tangents here, but I really want people to think about all the different things. Like, you know, there, there's another thing I wanted to say about when you find yourself going, when you feel the darkness mm-hmm. coming, don't shove it away because that's not healthy either. Allow it. Allow it. Allow yourself to feel it. And then take the steps to move through it and get through the other side of it. Because if you, especially if you're going through like a traumatic thing, like somebody, something traumatic happens to you, somebody harms you, somebody you love gets hurt or dies, whatever, you have to allow yourself to feel those feelings, but you don't have to hold on to them for forever. You have to kind of let them pass through you. Otherwise, they stick to you. And that's why there's so many people doing like trauma release sessions. And, you know, there's there's trauma that as that we experience as children where maybe we weren't allowed to express it and it sticks to you. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of depression for me comes from, actually, the trauma I experienced as a child, and I wasn't allowed to express. Yeah, we carry a lot of things with us. Um, So many things that get lodged, I think, in us. And then coming to a place where we're trying to undo so much of that, that we've allowed to to exist, sometimes not even to our own knowledge, really. but facing that, realizing that, and then trying to work through that for sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's almost like unbecoming and then really coming back to who you truly are, you know, uh-huh. which is amazing. Cause I think so much when you're younger, you think about, well, there's so much life ahead of me. There's so many things I want to do. There's so much I want to experience, you know, and it's, it's almost like, building blocks, building blocks, building blocks, and adding, adding, adding. And then you get to a certain age, I think. And then it's like, well, actually, you know, it's not so much about the adding the stuff. Um, it's about becoming who you truly are. And a lot of times subtracting things and aligning, um, you know, which is really interesting. <laughs> at least, you know, I found that that uh, at this stage in my life, you know, so much of my, my thoughts are centered around that. And sometimes, you know, something you want it forever, you might have it. It just looks different than what Mm. you thought. Mm. Like I always dreamed of renting a cabin somewhere where I'd sit at a desk with this beautiful view out my window and write for hours and hours and hours every day. And in two months, just like knock out a big book. And that was always my dream my whole life. And recently my 20 year old son moved out and I turned his room into my meditation room with a little desk in it. And just the other day, I was sitting at the desk, sitting at my desk with my laptop writing and the desk is right in front of a window that's overlooking my backyard. And my backyard's really beautiful and very peaceful. And 
I was sitting there and I'm looking out the window and it just hit me so hard. Like, this is what I always dreamed of. Sure. Mm. It's not in the mountains. Sure. It's not, you know, somewhere really exotic, but this is exactly the scenario I always dreamed of. And here it is. And I have it. And I just realized it. Yeah. It's, it's opening yourself up to something more than a specific expectation of what something should look like and being able to receive that. That's, that's pretty huge. That's a whole other topic. Uh, probably in a whole other pot. Yeah. That is a whole other topic. Oh my yeah. gosh. Um, learning how but, to do that. Yeah. We're actually probably at the top of our time here. Um, but I, first of all, I want to say a couple of things. First, uh, thank you so much for just sharing your thoughts on this and your experiences. And also, you know, we, we kept kind of weaving in and out of the things that were happening with Drew. Um, and just want to say, you know, like, I'm so thankful that he has come through and he's continuing to get healthier and healthier each day. And, you know, I've tracked your journey as you guys have shared it on social media and stuff too, and with friends and just being able to sit with you and hear firsthand some things, um, you know, uh, just be sure to, to give him a big hug from me and from all of us, you know, and, um, always, always just rooting him on. And, um, and again, thank you for just your open-handedness with your own experiences and just having a casual conversation today. Really. That's, that's what this was. It's just us two friends talking about some of these things that we've dealt with and are dealing with. Right. Yeah. Um, I hope it helps somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that wholeheartedly that, that as we talk about these things, and that's one of the reasons why I want to do this so much is because the more we talk about these things, the more we normalize it and the more someone can realize like, Oh, you know what? I'm not alone or I'm not unique in this situation. My circumstances may be specific to me, but overall I'm not alone and I can feel seen and heard in the midst of something that's difficult that I'm going through right now and take hope in that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we all, the people who look like they have the most, most together struggle. Yeah. Life isn't always easy. It can be easier with tools and a mindset, but we're still always going to have crap thrown at us. Mm-hmm. Always. Well, we continue to press on and continue to put those tools in our hands and show up each day. Um, so as we kind of close out our time, uh, I would love for you just to share a little bit about where can people find you? And, and I know you have a newsletter and a podcast. So tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Okay, so I have this newsletter that is so amazing. I'm just saying this, like I get thank you letters from people every single day. Thank you emails from artists every single day um, because my newsletter teaches you serious, productive strategies that will make a big difference in your art business. Um, so to get on my newsletter, you know what you can do? You can find me on Instagram, my, uh, just my name, Maria Brophy, B-R-O-P-H-Y, or you can go to my website, mariabrophy.com, and both places have uh, links to where you can sign up for my newsletter, and you can read my posts, and I also have a podcast, so if you go to mariabrophy.com, you'll be able to click the link 
to listen to my podcast, which is for artists and people that are in the creative business, whether you're a writer, a singer, or a, a visual artist. Yeah. The things I teach will help. That's awesome. And you're listening to a podcast right now. So what's one more? Just hop over there and click and subscribe to that too, right? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, well, Maria, thank you so much. And, yeah, you know, you. it's always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, I know we're just kindred spirits and some things. And, uh, you know, we just keep walking this out. And I, yeah. I treasure the times that we have together. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate you too. Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others.